thought of this passage. It's from Philippians 4. In verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses comprehension or knowledge, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise dwells on these, dwell on these things. You know, I've heard that scripture my whole life and people quote it sometimes on a daily basis. The peace of God that surpasses understanding. But all week it's been kind of nagging me in the back of my mind. What does that mean? What does it mean for the peace of God which surpasses understanding to guard our hearts? We know that out of the heart come the issues of life. Guard your heart, for from the heart come the issues of life. We know that the heart is the first step in any decision we make. It starts with the heart. If we want to love God with all our soul, mind, and strength, we have to feel it with our heart first. From the heart we believe, resulting in salvation. Amen. From the heart, it's the emotions. So he says that something is going to guard our hearts, it's going to protect this wellspring of life, this place where all the issues of life take place. And he says that that's the peace of God. And I look up the word where he says that it's the peace of God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart. I looked up surpasses. What does that mean? And it's, I don't know the exact pronunciation in the Greek, but it's hyperecho, hyperecho, or however you want to say it. And I said, well, look up all the places where this word is used. Do you know where it says, be subject to the governing authorities? The word governing authorities is the same word here as surpasses. Hyperecho. Where it says, Obey the king for all authority is instituted by God. That word is hyperecho. When it speaks of the surpassing greatness of his power, it's the same word. So, and it means, literally, it means to hold above, to stand out and above, to overtop, to surpass. So there's some kind of peace. There's some kind of confidence that goes beyond, is transcendent to, is a governing authority over the carnal mind and the human knowledge that it processes. If you think about people who have lost their peace, whose hearts are like the waves of the sea, 
They get a breakthrough, and then they lose it. They confess their faith in God and their union with the body. Slosh, slosh, and then they lose it. All somebody has to do is just come up and push it. Nothing guards their heart. They've lost their peace. They've lost that inner quiet that puts all its trust in God. I think that's someone for whom peace and that confidence and that trust and that rest in God, it's no longer hyper-echo. It's no longer a governing authority over all the little spinning wheels of the carnal mind. But instead, they try to achieve the peace of God through the carnal mind. Amen. It doesn't work that way. Then I read in the same book, the previous chapter, chapter, he uses the exact same word, but this time he doesn't say it about peace, he says it about love. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. There's that, that deep place, that, that inner place. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So there's the, the heart that's supposed to have a guard standing over it. Christ is supposed to be allowed in, though. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, not by yourself, not once you isolate yourself, not detached. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. But this comprehension, he's going to tell us something that we can't comprehend, but first he tells us something that we can comprehend. He says this comprehension happens together with all the saints. Have you ever felt the devil on your back whispering in your ears all kinds of doubts and unbelief and all kinds of suspicion and maybe even accusations and it's like you couldn't pray and then you came into the meeting and the worship of God started going forth and it was like where's the devil I don't see him I don't hear him I just feel the Holy Spirit well that's because you're not supposed to be able to make it by yourself you're supposed to be able to comprehend together with all the saints what God has for you Jesus didn't say if you'll just go bury your head in a rock long enough then their God is going to be with you. He said, wherever two or three can come together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his power, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward you who believe, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance that is in the saints. The glorious inheritance is not between you and Jesus the glorious inheritance is in the saints. You get outside the saints and you're a disinherited person. But he says here, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which hyper-echo, 
surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God, not to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church. Not in the individual. He doesn't say, I am complete in him. He says, we are complete in him. He doesn't say, I have the mind of Christ. He says, we have the mind of Christ. So he says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, world without end. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we all have seen people going through things recently. The obvious ones are people losing a loved one or a loved one suffering a, a, a tragic accident or disease. And in those moments, we don't understand. We don't get it. We can't put two and two together. And if we want to try to use our human understanding as the vehicle to arriving at peace, we're never going to understand. We're going to be separated. Amen. We're going to be caught outside the body. We're going to be pulled outside the fold of God's sheep. And the wolf is going to get us out there by ourselves. If we want the peace of God to guard our hearts, we're going to have to recognize that this peace is not something that we get to through the mind of the flesh, but it is something that is a governing authority over the mind of the flesh. Be subject to the governing authorities. That's the word hyperecho. And Paul says that's what peace should be in our hearts. And then he says just before that, that that's what the love of God should be in our hearts. That means there are times when the carnal mind is asking all kinds of questions and it just needs to shut up. It just needs to shut down. It just needs to submit to the governing authority of the peace of God. It just needs to ask the question again, do I have a love in my heart for the brethren, for the Lord Jesus. This is how we know that we've passed out of the dominion of death. Death that was inaugurated through the carnal mind and the tree of knowledge. This is how we know we've passed out of death and into life. That there's this love that goes beyond what I can understand in the moment. There are times when I have to back away and say, Look, I don't understand it all. But I know that the love God has put in my heart for you, it's a conviction that goes deeper and is stronger than all of the doubts and questions that might be spinning through my mind right now. The wellspring of my life has a guard standing over the door. It won't let anybody in, an armed guard. Get back. I am the governing authority over this heart. The peace of God. The love of God. If we try to come at the same thing backwards, well, we're not going to get there, are we? 
There has to be something that you trust more than your carnal mind, than your own perspective. And if you do, then the Lord will, through His Holy Spirit, will lead you into all truth. You will understand it. He will lead and guide you into all truth. It's an act of trust even there, isn't it? He will open His Word to you. His sword will show you the difference between soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And it will discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. And nothing will be hidden from His sight, but all will be naked and bare before the eyes with whom we have to do. Thank you, Jesus. But do I have that kind of peace in God? Amen. Do I have that kind of trust in God? Or has the enemy gained access to my heart? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Brother Steve, you quoted from this passage, Ephesians 6 and 6, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But the verse that stood out to me Sunday when you were reading it was take up the shield of faith by which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of Satan. Is, faith, is your faith God's responsibility? Hmm? Faith is not God's responsibility. Faith is our response to God's word. Faith is our responsibility. We can pray all day long, God, take these thoughts out of my mind. God, please take away this fear. God, please help me to lay down these doubts. But the Lord says, no, that's your responsibility. You need to take up the shield of faith. And you need to say, Satan, you got around my shield because I let down faith. You got into my heart and you poisoned my emotions. You put poisonous darts in my feelings because I let down faith at some point. Amen. The very thing Jesus prayed about Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Hard times represent siftings, amen, when the chaff is separated from the kernel. Hard times represent testings, like he says in 1 Peter 1. Amen. Like he says in James, hard times. Those hard times may be disease, or it may just be a terrible financial crisis, or it may be encountering the failings of your brothers and sisters. And in those times, it's not a question of whether you have faith in individual people. It's not a question of whether you have faith in the infallibility of man. It's a question of whether your life is still hid with God in Christ. Whether you still trust God more than you trust your carnal mind that's feeding you all that information. It's a question of whether the guard has fallen asleep. Whether, whether the peace of God is no longer guarding your heart. But you slowly started to let down faith. Oh, God doesn't answer my prayers and God doesn't hear me and how could this be happening? 
In Thessalonians, when he spoke, speaks of the armor, he says that put on the breastplate of faith. Amen? He uses faith and righteousness as the breastplate. It's the same thing as what he's do- using as the shield in Ephesians 6, isn't it? Amen. When you start caving in, you start letting your emotions get poisoned, it's nobody's fault but yours. You're letting your shield down. You're letting your shield down, and you're letting the darts fly past it. First, they're going to hit your extremities, but the devil has a bullseye painted on your heart. And he says, I'm going to take their heart. I'm going to steal their heart. I'm going to poison their heart. Because if I can get their emotions, if I can get their feelings, then they won't be able to do anything It's like my dad was saying, you can have the right doctrine, you can have the right practice, but if you don't have the right feeling, you're not going to get anywhere. You're dead in the water. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Does that sound like guard your hearts? Same thing, isn't it? Do you think of peace as a ruler, as a dictator, as a governing authority? Well, you just might be surrendering one of the most powerful offices of your life. You might be surrendering it to the devil then. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Is peace a ruler in your life? Somebody tell me how peace could be a ruler in your life. Anybody? We kind of think of peace as our response to somebody else creating a really neat environment for us. You know, lights turned down and candles flickering and, oh, this is so neat. But that doesn't sound like peace being a ruler to me. A ruler is what takes charge of everything else that's going on. Would you agree? So somebody help me see how peace could be a ruler in your hearts. Anybody? Please. Go ahead. The thing that comes to my mind is when the peace of God is not there, then you know that something is wrong and you, you want that to come back. And that's, like, that's what's ruling your life, is that to have that in place in your life. Amen. Somebody else? Peace is a standard. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, amen. We think of peace as a consequential condition to realities outside our control. But he's using peace differently here. He's letting he's telling us that peace should do something. That's a verb, rule. Peace is an active force. So somehow When I'm sitting there, being tossed about and carried by every wind of doctrine and all kinds of nonsense, somebody's supposed to come impose a rule on my heart. Amen. A governing authority is supposed to come and impose an imposition of order. That's what rule represents. Would you agree? Can we agree to that definition? The imposition of order. 
You see, when you're getting all freaked out, tossed about by every wind of doctrine, like the foaming of the sea, coughing up your shame, something else is ruling, isn't it? It might be circumstances as the devil's shaking your little boat. It might be what somebody did. It might be your own failures. And you're this helpless little thing. <sighs> no, he said, it's a decision to say, peace, peace of God. The voice that said, peace be still to the waves. You're not a secondary consequences to circumstances out my, outside of my control. You are the imposition of order, of calm on my life. So all of that other stuff can obey the ruler of peace, can choose to be quiet, to calm down. Amen? And somebody says, well... That doesn't make sense. You ought to be freaking out. Well, it's not supposed to make sense. It's this peace of God that surpasses, that is the governing authority over understanding. It's not the peace of God that's derived from my fallen understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Do not let your heart be troubled. Do you see how he is... Make, tying this imperative with peace, do not let your heart be troubled. Well, in that statement, do not let your heart be troubled, we learn that it's our choice. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? It's your choice whether you're going to get freaked out. Please don't get freaked out right now. Let the peace of God reign. Do not let your heart be troubled. That's not how we moderns think. We think that the, troubling, the trouble of our hearts, we're just passive rag dolls in the world that's tossing us around. But that's a lie. That's relinquishing powers to the devil that God has given to you. Peace I give you, not as the world gives you, give I to you. The world has its peace, and it may be pretty. It may be serene, but that's not the kind of peace that the Prince of Peace came to bring. Amen? Peace I give you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. As soon as you relinquish the rulership of peace. As soon as you let peace stop being the ruler, then you let fear start being the ruler. And when fear takes the reins and starts holding the weapons that guard your heart, then you have come under the dominion of the wrong Lord, haven't you? He who holds them in bondage all their lifetime through the fear of death. Thank you, Jesus. Philippians 4.9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. 
So peace can result from disobedience an unwillingness to practice what we know in our heads, our hearts, to be the right thing. Amen? We've got to do it. We've got to be willing to do it. We've got to be willing to obey, don't we? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Are you seeing something different about peace? Are you seeing something different about powers that you may have relinquished to the devil that really belong to you? Faith and peace are the armed guards at the gates of your heart. And those, faith and peace, are not circumstantial consequences outside your control. They're choices that you make to put God and His reign where it belongs. Amen? How many of you know the, the Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the spirit, nor despise prophetic utterance. Everybody know that scripture? The word quench there is the same word used in Ephesians 6 when it says, when he tells us, you will be able to quench most of the fiery darts of the devil. Is that what he says? You will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil that you throw at yourself. Is that what he says? All those except the really bad ones, the ones that just knock you flat. No, he says, the shield of faith allows you to protect your heart from all the fiery darts of the devil. But this word quench is shinimi. Again, I'm using my Anglo accent on Greek words and I hope none of our Greek scholars are listening. But it just simply means to put a damper on, to hinder, to thwart, and to quench, as in to snuff out. The devil's got a plan for you. He's got one for all of us. We know that, don't we? He's a liar and murderer from the beginning. He's not coming up with anything new. He wants to destroy your faith. Amen? But... Paul is telling us that you, if you'll be obedient to God, you have the capacity to thwart his plan. In addition to all, in addition to everything else, he says, take up the shield of faith. It's like there's a shield laying there on the ground. Faith is a decision. To take your trust in God off the ground and put it up in front of your emotions, your heart. Not me. I'm not going to receive that. Take up the shield of faith with which you will be able, dunamis, to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You see, I know people who I love whose hearts have been pierced by flaming arrows. Flaming arrows of fear. Flaming arrows of accusation. Flaming arrows of misunderstanding. Flaming arrows of distrust. Flaming arrows of shame. Flaming arrows of condemnation. And I 
pray for these people, and I hurt for these people, and I believe for these people, but I can't get your shield up in front of your heart. You have got to take up the shield of faith. And you've got to recognize that the reason the devil found access to your heart, to your emotions, is because somehow, someway, somewhere, you started letting down your faith in God. Your, your confidence, your trust in God, in his body, in his purpose, that ultimately, my life is not in my control. The heart of the ruler is in the hands of God but that he has put in my control the capacity to protect my emotions, my heart. Amen? He doesn't say that the devil won't beat up on you. He may hit your shoulders. He may hit your knees. He may whack you on the back. But you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And you can keep faith in front of your heart. You can hold it out there. And sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes the devil throws those arrows with such force you feel like it's all you can do to keep it up there. You remember the story of Apollyon pressing Pilgrim down to the ground? Where was the one place that Pilgrim had no armor? on his back. As soon as you cave in, as soon as you say, I don't think I can do this anymore. Well then, through your back, your heart will be accessed by the javelin of the devil. But if you'll just keep facing it, Gabe, like he said, I don't know why this is happening. This shouldn't be happening, God. This doesn't make sense. But there's a peace that is a governing authority over my understanding. I don't know why this is happening, God. This shouldn't be happening, God. But there's a love that is a governing authority over my knowledge. Though he slay me, yet will I keep my shield of faith up in front of my heart. I'm still going to trust in God. Anybody want to take their shields off the ground and start quenching the fiery darts of the devil? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the heart of hearts, in the secret place, when we're just praying between us and God, we know it's nobody's fault but ours. Faith like peace, is not a consequential reality that someone else can produce in our lives. Faith is the choice to trust. Amen? Faith is the conviction of things hoped for. The only evidence you've got of the invisible that you believe in. Amen? Where's the evidence for your attitude? Where's the evidence? Where's the proof? I heard God speak, and faith took hold of his word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And that's all the evidence I've got right here. 
that God spoke to me and he's true. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes your faith is tested. Sometimes it's tried in the fire. We don't want to be relying on fool's gold faith, do we? Sometimes, says Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Sometimes God tests you in the hardest ways. It involves your children, those you love the most. But it's really very simple. I hope some of you are saying in your heart, this is so simple, because that's what I hoped you would say when we were done. I can do this. It's that simple. Amen? All God is asking of you is, can you still trust me? Can you still make the effort to get your shield up? Can you still make the choice to let the peace of God rule and guard your heart? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. The Lord would give us peace today, not as the world gives, but he would give us peace. Thank you, Jesus. Your will, oh Lord, it's bigger than me, but I trust in it. I don't understand it, but I trust in it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus, God. Thank you, Jesus, God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, God. We can't fabricate faith. But if the Word of God is coming forth, we don't have to. We just have to believe. And that's the victory that overcomes the world. Amen? We just have to believe. So much of our failures, I believe, come from seeding powers that God gave to us. Amen? So the next time you feel like everything's going crazy, the next time you're freaking out, next time you're falling into defensiveness or accusations or unbelief, self-pity that leads to lust, next time one of those snowballs start, ro starts rolling, you just remember that peace is a ruler. Let it come in and demand order. Let it come in and tell everything else to be quiet. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And the next time you start whining about how bad you're feeling and how many doubts you have, stop confessing all that. Start pulling those arrows out. Say, God, I can't believe I let these things into my heart. And get that shield of faith back up there in front of you. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.